0: Because it doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to program or you know how to type design, but you're in a position that you can hire a programmer, you can hire a type designer to make the changes that you want to be made.
1: Welcome back to the First Crack Podcast. I am, yet again, Garrick Van Buren. This is First Crack Podcast number 125, a conversation with David Crossland from understandingunlimited.com and the Open Font Library. We talk about the Open Font Library and the Open Font Licensing, the music as always, Jeremy Piller, and how Open Font Licensing can benefit web designers, graphic designers, and type designers. We start with a brief history of the Open Font Library.
0: The, the origins of the project really start with the Open Clip Art Library, um, which was a site Started oh um, quite a few years ago. I think maybe um, maybe as far back as 2004, um, maybe even a little earlier. Than that, It was a long time ago. And um, the I believe the origins of that were in the you know the, the fork from of Inkscape from another uh, SVG vector illustration program called Sodipodi. And uh, the Inkscape project was very focused on design and usability rather than adding more complicated um, technical uh, drawing features. And so the uh, the user group for Inkscape was interested in, um, you know, uh, drawing uh, and created the open ClipArt library as a community repository for some of their drawings. Um, and a couple of the guys in that community, um, uh, Alexander and uh, John, um uh, Alexander Prudikin and John Phillips, they uh, decided to create the Open Font Library as a kind of companion site for the Open Clip Art Library. Um, now, there's, John Phillips was actually working for Creative Commons around this time as a project manager, uh, I believe, and uh, he was involved with the creation of the uh, content management system, CC Host. Which is used um, which was developed primarily for the CC mixter music collaboration website so the uh, the open Clipot library and the open font library were installations of CC host that were then kind of tailored towards SVG files and fonts
1: that does that is explain why when you do a, a search for Creative Commons fonts that you get directed to the open font library that makes sense now
0: yeah yeah I mean fonts is kind of a a world unto its own, and mm-hmm. so uh, Creative Commons were not very interested in dealing with fonts um specifically their focus was really on music, i think primarily, and another kind of you know video and text uh you know which are very common popular kinds of media
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, whereas fonts is a bit tricky you know? <laughs> just 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 a hair uh so tell me about your at some point you got uh, involved in that project and uh, have been uh, very vocal about licensing, um, and and I really appreciated the the specificity in which we've, the Open Font Library community has said these are the licenses that we recognize. Um, and I mm-hmm. wonder if you could share a little bit about the the criteria that um, that you and the Open Font Library uh, team use to determine which library, which licenses you recognize and support, which ones you don't. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Sure. Sure. So, so um, the the, the kind of history with, with open fonts around licensing is that um, you know, font there's this kind of question about what fonts actually are, um, in a kind of philosophy sense, you know, the nature of, of the thing, um, because typically, you know, the the free culture licenses um, that Creative Commons have done. Are you know very general purpose, and then they are, um, you know, where, where Creative Commons and Lawrence Lessig come from is the ideas of the free software community, and so you have these free culture licenses from Creative Commons, and you have these free software licenses from various groups that are, you know the Free Software Foundation's GNU GPL license is probably the most famous one, there. Um, and then you also have the kind of very permissive uh, BSD or X-Windows, X-11 kind of licenses. And so um, for fonts, there's a question about what kinds of licenses would be appropriate to fonts because the way that they are used is different Mm -hmm. to both a piece of music or piece of video and a program. And the main thing about that is PDF embedding because you know, you're know you actually you're using the font uh, data that's in the font file, and you're embedding it into the PDF file. And so that would be um, with something like the GNU GPL or the Creative Commons um, Attribution Share Alike License. Uh, that would make your PDF file a derived work of the font. And so, in terms of those licenses, it means that your PDF file also has to be under the Creative Commons or GNU GPL license.
1: And that's why we have things like the uh, the GPL with font exception,
0: right? And right. so, this was recognised very early on, um, and the uh, GNU project, you know, had uh, paid their, their chief counsel um, you know, at the time, Eben Moglen. I believe to to write a small exception, which is which is really an additional permission. Um, so you see the, the way that the, the GNU GPL works is that you say this is this information is this, this work is copyright to me, and you can't do anything with it other than what I permit you to do. Mm-hmm. And I permit you to do anything that you want with it, except <laughs> when you redistribute what you've got to other people you have to give them that same freedom to do whatever they want as well. Mm -hmm. And so the GPL kind of protects the freedom of the work for all the users who come into contact with it. And so the font exception is really the font permission because it says um, you can do anything that you want and when you redistribute it to other people or combine it with uh, another work and redistribute that combined work to other people, then you have to... I uh, give them the same freedom, but if it's a document, then you don't have to. Like we give you special permission, so you don't have to um, give people permission to modify your
1: documents. And and I think that that makes sense. And even even that mm. is more more clear and more well. The alternative is uh, a whole universe of completely custom. Font licenses that essentially boil down to: if you want to do anything with this, you'll need to contact me, and we'll need to work something out.
0: Uh, yeah, so so that's that's. I mean, that's kind of so that that was the situation with with the, the GPL, mm-hmm. um, and then the Creative Commons licenses and the very permissive free software licenses. They don't um, typically. Well, the 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 other free kind of free software license is popular, which just says you can do whatever you want. And if you want to redistribute it to other people um, and not give them freedom, then that's okay as well. Those kinds of licenses, you know, maybe, I mean, they're also perfectly valid, but they also mean that the freedom of the work isn't protected. Mm -hmm. And so um, over time, then there can be proprietary versions um, of, the kind of work that appear, and it gets splintered up, and that kind of thing. Now, with some big projects, like say the Python programming system or the BSD operating systems, um, you know there are uh, there are many many projects which use this kind of license. All of the Apache programs use the Apache license, which is like this, um, and they don't suffer from that kind of splintering or proprietarisation. But um, the, the GPL is designed to kind of protect that. Mm-hmm. So so between those two, um, which kind of weren't really ideal for fonts, then Victor Goldney, who is a type designer who's worked a lot with the SIL, Summers Institute of Linguistics, um, which is, you know, they have a strong interest in having many free software fonts of high quality because they're trying to promote literacy um, throughout the world in, many, in all the world's languages. Um, so they they're often dealing with languages which actually you know aren't in Unicode or um, have just don't have any Unicode fonts available. So those guys at SIL um, are very you know they're very passionate about having free uh, and open fonts. And so uh, when Victor was designing fonts for them, then he decided that he would take the time to craft a free software license specifically for fonts. That took into account the other kinds of um, wishes that type designers typically have, as he saw. And so that's the origins of the open font license. So uh, when I was trying to research um, the history and the nature of the free software movement um, and seeing how free software principles could be applied to type design and font, then I felt that you know that these were the three licenses, which um, you know are, are really representative of all of the options.
2: The,
1: and and so, those, three, those three licenses being the the GPL, the open, yeah. the SIL Open Font License, and
0: and pre- the X11 or BSD kind of license. Now um, there's actually uh, you know there's been a slight change in, from that original position of mine, you which know, through discussion on the mailing list, um, which is that the there is, the, the thing with attribution with the X11 licences um, is, is kind of you know, tricky. Um, uh, in the, it, if you're going to say you know, that you're really giving permission for everyone to do anything that they want and you just don't mind anymore, then releasing the file into the public domain, so there's really no restrictions at all, there's no requirements on anyone to do anything in particular, would be the right way to go. And then the, that's the approach that the Open Clip Art Library has. They only accept public domain works. Um, and so, uh, so recently, um, because of you know variations in, in various legal systems and different jurisdictions, Creative Commons has released the CC0 um, dedication, which is a kind of more solid way of dedicating something to the public domain. So I believe that going forwards, the Open Font Library is going to offer CC0, the Open Font License. SIL and the GNU GPL uh
1: with the font exception. Fantastic. And uh in you fairly recently released uh Cantarell, mm-hmm. a very a very nice family under Thank the you. under the GPL. Yeah. Um which which to me says uh, go do whatever you want to do with this to make it most useful and valuable. Is is that the is that the the goal with your releasing it under that license?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean the the uh, I think as I said, the, the kind of basic principle of the free software movement, which is that um, if you have something that does a job for you, and it actually doesn't quite do the job exactly how you want it to be done, then there's this. Social question about who decides to get it changed, and can that person be you? And typically, with proprietary software or a proprietary encyclopedia or a proprietary font or typeface, then the answer to that is no. You can't make that decision. You have to go begging to the original developer and say, you know, um, I'd like this kind of change made are you willing to do it? How much will it cost? And uh, often the answer is we're not willing to do it. You know, there aren't enough people who are interested in that change. We don't care. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money you offer us. We're just not interested in doing it. Or on the other hand, it could be exorbitant, you know, exorbitantly priced uh, because they're in a monopoly position on making those changes.
1: Now, there's a fairly, uh, fairly recent example of... Um I don't have the URL with me, uh, but uh, uh, Handy um, it just came to mind. Uh, Al Gore uh, recently published a book uh, or had a book published, um, but he didn't like the the small caps one uh, that was in the that was in, in the font that the book was set in. Oh, yeah. So they asked for it to be changed now. What, mm-hmm. And they had to go back to the original designer and say, can you can you you know what can you do to make al happy um Mm -hmm. and what the the scenario you you just described was a was seems like more a, a shorter path right was saying if this if this font was licensed more openly then the actual designer who was working on the the book itself could say you know what i think we can i think i can make this change and we can you know i can have it turned around in a day and we can be happy and we can move along
0: Right. I mean, essentially, the, the real the real principle underpinning this position is progress. You know, which is, I mean, it's quite a kind of strong term to use. I think, um, but I think that that's really what this is about. That with proprietary software and a proprietary culture, progress is being held back, um, and that this situation is maybe quite rare. I mean, a lot of maybe a lot of graphic designers are quite happy with the fonts that they have. Um, They're quite happy with the software that they use, Um, you know, it doesn't crash for them, they don't have any problems, and they're not really worried about, you know, um, making changes, they're not frustrated with it. But on the other hand, there is, um, you know, I often meet designers who aren't happy with the software, they aren't happy with some of their fonts, and they're just stuck. There's nothing they can do other than wait for maybe the next upgrade that Probably fixes some problems and introduces a whole lot more.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So with with fonts, then uh, a lot of people don't really perceive the issue quite the same because they don't they're not in the business of using fonts as a functional kind of thing. Um, but when you speak to graphic designers, then graphic designers can often you know rattle off a whole list of fonts which they think are crappy and they could be improved in X, Y, and Z way uh so uh, i i believe that that's really the potential of free uh fonts you know that give people freedom to make the changes that they want to be made
2: mm-hmm.
0: um now of course this is also a very much a commercial thing i mean the, the majority of free software which is available is has been written by someone being paid to write it i mean the the, the image of like these kind of you know um the the millions of of hobbyist hackers on the internet um, doing stuff for fun is—I mean—that's certainly there. I don't doubt that. If you just go to one of the huge conferences, like the FOSDEM in, in Brussels in February each year, um, or the LinuxConf AU down in Australia that's happening uh, next week, you know, the, these these are big conferences. There are a lot of hobbyists who come along, but the people giving the presentations are you know, often working at free software uh, companies. And, uh, you know, Red Hat is a massive company. I think they're the largest free software company. Um, and a lot of the big tech companies make a lot of big free software releases now. So I think it's it's really important to stress that the the potential for free and open fonts isn't anti-commercial, and it could benefit the bottom line of many graphic designers. I think the, the point I'm really trying to get across is that there are these big companies like Red Hat, which, which are based solely on making money with free software, and there is a viable model there. And perhaps that can be applied to fonts. But I think really the model here is that there are many companies that go about their business, and as part of doing that, they use and participate in the development of free software. And wow. I see that graphic designers can very much fulfill that role
1: thank you for that clarification. That was uh, hugely helpful, I think.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, those, uh, you know, the opportunity for typeface designers um, to work on free software fonts is certainly there, Um, especially uh, with, you know, larger graphic design corporations um, who, you know, outsource their type design work to type designers. Um, And uh, that's, I think that's, you know, that's always going to be there. I mean, I... (laughs) I don't think it's it's really true that in, in the same way that you know Wikipedia hasn't made Britannica go bust, um, but it's changed the nature of the industry, um, then I you know I wouldn't see any type designers being put out of business by the free and open font movement, but I think that it, you know has the potential to change the the nature of the industry.
1: I I agree, and I think that where where I've come to is that these these uh, open licenses make things like at font face, a whole lot simpler, a whole lot, a whole lot easier to to, to solve, and uh, a whole lot easier to implement, and just just make taking it making a, uh, a more sophisticated graphic design, uh, more more sophisticated web design, uh, uh, that much more efficient.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think this is really um, this is really going to be the area where we're going to see you know the the industry changes with this transition to to the web and web fonts um i mean I, i'm kind of over the medium term and i think that the uh, the costs of um, the print industry are going to go up a lot i think the cost of transport price of oil is going to go up and that's going to make shipping information in heavy paper form uh, a more, more much more expensive proposition uh, compared to running computers mm-hmm. um and uh you know the advertising industry is also switching very much to online that's where people's attention is going on their phones and computers rather than TVs and magazines. And so as the money, sh- you know, advertising revenues shift from the printing industry to online,
2: mm.
0: uh, then that, you know, this is this overall decline in the print industry that we're seeing. And so the the traditional kind of bread and butter of a typeface design industry, I mean, not, not even really that it is an industry anymore because it's, it's been eroded so much from the heydays of print 60 or 100 years ago. Um, you know, where you have these massive companies, I mean, like the American Type Founders Corporation. And you know, the, the historical stories about that is just amazing, the scale of that operation. And the same for Lenotype and Monotype, um, And uh, the, really the typeface design industry now is a very small community of, of small businesses um, which are kind of, you know, eking out a living. And so the, the transition to the web, I think, you know, is, is very much an unknown We don't know how that's going to play out. And uh, I'd say that a lot of foundries from what I hear are very busy with, you know, preparing their typefaces for use on screen, for reading on screen. Um, And the exact revenue models for that are not quite figured out. Mm -hmm. I mean, typekits, you know, seems to be doing quite well. It's quite popular. Obviously, your service is very similar to theirs, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, as far as I'm aware, have the venture capital backing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We're, we're um, very lean,
0: and, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's another one um, uh, from a British company called Clearleft. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called Type Deck, uh, which is which is coming out soon. Um, so, I mean, there are going to be those those kinds of options for people. I think it's, I mean, uh, people are focused on how can they make a living through, mm. only through doing type design. You know, mm-hmm. If you're going to um, put a whole year of your life dedicated to studying typeface design. Um, you know full time uh, probably not working any other jobs you know you 've got to save up to support yourself through that year i mean it's a big commitment and uh, the the people who who make that commitment are very much focused on you know working full time in the type based design industry and I think that the type of media course in in The hague and the reading course are both very good at placing people into the industry um, you know who who really put that effort in and so um, I don't really, as I say, have an answer for people who want to become full-time type designers. Um, I mean, I've got some ideas about how it could work for maybe um, a bunch of people in a small company, um, but I don't see any way that the whole industry could be sustained on a on a free software basis. In much the same way as, say, Red Hat, you know, which is a huge company, they bank hundreds of millions of dollars a year in profits, compared to Microsoft. Which is, you know, one of the, got to be one of the wealthiest companies, you know, in terms of its size out there. I mean, it's, compared to those really huge companies uh, like General Electric, you know, it's it's not that big, but it's it's very very profitable. Um, and you know, Bill Gates became the richest man in the world for a while. So so that's kind of the the difference. You know, I think that it is possible to make money with uh, freely licensed fonts, but it's not possible to become a full-time type designer with freely licensed fonts. Um so because of that, then people are you know they're just they're just not that interested in, in what i'm doing um, but uh, I think that there's a tremendous value on doing those programs. I totally recommend doing them if people are interested in type design uh, because it really does you know it chase years off of the learning curve or if you're doing type design and you're kind of stuck you're not quite sure where to go next. those courses can definitely place you you know they can they can definitely
1: show you the way to go. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, I wonder if you could, you know, um, talk. A l- I wanna, I wanna just touch on the the, the licensing thing once once more. Um, mm-hmm. That that P. T. Sands family that came out. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and uh, I think you were. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you could restate um, your the, the uh, summarize the the discussion that went up on you know the. The license that they released it under was was extremely similar uh, to the open font license, but but slightly different in a couple of ways that you thought, hmm, um, is this significant enough to be its own thing?
0: Okay, the, the real issue is, um, I mean, this is so 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 today, um, the the free software or the, the I mean the, the free open libre font movement hasn't really got going yet. You know, the the last couple of years I've been focused on my studies, I've had some personal business to do as well. Um, and, uh, you know, the discussions have been quite, at least my, my input into the discussions have been very theoretical, high level philosophy kind of, kind of discussion. Um, and I'm really approaching this over a kind of 10 year time span Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to put the foundation, solid foundations in place for my work. So, um, the, the one of the key things, uh, uh, to the, one of the the, the real reason that I'm focused on licensing, which is a pretty dry topic, I have to admit, is that it's the, as I see it the foundation of the free software movement and the free culture movement. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Creative Commons people didn't start um, hiring artists and designers to produce work; they focused on creating the licenses and a um, a kind of crucible in which artists could put their stuff and mix it up. And so the licenses are really the the way that that happens, which is why I've been kind of focused on them and understanding what different kinds of license terms, the effects that those have, what they do. And so one of the key things is creating um, pools, like as I say, this kind of crucible idea, pools of work which can be mixed up so, for example, if you have a font and it has some nifty open type um, code in there, so for example, if you type um, minus sign, minus sign, um, less than sign to create a kind of arrow, the open type code can substitute that with an actual arrow symbol. And that's a kind of nice little feature to have. Mm-hmm. So, if you've coded that up for your font, And then you have another font that you're using. If they have a compatible license, then you can copy and paste that feature across. And um, as I say, you're you're making progress there. Um, If the licenses are incompatible, then you're not allowed to do that. Even though both of the works are free, um, is in freedom, then if the licenses aren't compatible, you can't make use of that kind of sharing. And so, with PT SANS, when they had a license which differed even by one letter from the open font license, then they're creating a license incompatibility. And so, if someone produces some OpenType features for PT SANS, that couldn't be reproduced in other fonts. Mm-hmm and so that's a problem. So that's why I was quite keen to advocate to Paratype that they go back with the original SIL Open Font License.
1: Fantastic. And you know, I think you've you've laid out a very good argument for saying um, this is why with these licenses we can actually uh, progress work forward more quickly.
0: The important thing to see is the the idea of a community of people working together on it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important. If it's just one party doing everything, then it doesn't really matter you know what, what the licensing compatibilities are because as long as you don't distribute it to other parties mm-hmm. you're allowed to do whatever you want. But if you're gonna collaborate with other people, especially in a public way over the internet, then the licenses need to be completely, you know, correct and legally sound. Mm-hmm. The basic principle is, um, as I say, that the users of a functional thing, you know, they ha- have the ability, the soci- they have the social permission mm-hmm. to make decisions about when things get changed. Because it doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to program or you know how to type design. You're in a position that you can hire a programmer, you can hire a type designer to make the changes that you want to be made. Um, and so, the Free Software Foundation has, you know, its its kind of uh, principles about what free software means. The uh, the website freedomdefined.org has a, a kind of derivative version of those principles, um, uh, which are which are kind of I think also involving the the principles from the Open Source Foundation, no, the Open Source Consortium, I think they're called, um, and also the Debian Project's Free Software Guidelines. And so the Freedom Defined website is something I would really say is something that you can look at if you're um, if you were thinking of making a a, a new license for your work. Um, however, because of this this idea of kind of being able to have a pool of things. That are licensed under compatible licenses, then, and this is why we, the Open Font Library, are really trying to promote just just three choices. You know, either something's completely public domain, or it's under the Open Font License, or it's under a very strong copyleft, the GNU GPL. And the difference between the Open Font License and the GPL, as I see it, the main difference, is to do with the provision of source code
2: mm-hmm. so
0: the open font license says that if you receive a font under the open font license you can make any changes that you want and when you redistribute something based on that work that's not in a pdf file but it's an actual font file then that also has to be modifiable and you know the same freedom has to be passed on and the creative commons attribution share alike license is the same And I would call this a kind of weak copyleft because it doesn't actually provide the third user downstream with access to the the full corresponding source code to that work. Whereas the GNU GPL has that provision that says if you receive a GPL work and you don't have the full corresponding source code to it, then you're able to go to your distributor and ask them for a copy. And I think that's quite important with fonts because you may have, you know, an original set of drawings which are drawn in a certain way, and then the actual font production file where the outlines—I mean, they're the same outlines—but the way that they're constructed, the way they're drawn, is different. Um, and so that's why I prefer the GNU GPL. Mm-hmm. Um, but all those license options, no restrictions at all, Open Font License, all the GPL, they're all completely valid because they're respecting people's freedom to make the changes that they want made.
1: Now, something like the, uh, the GPL trying to remember, or at least the, the Open Font License has a renaming uh, line item in it about if you make some sort of significant change, you need to rename it. Is that, am I remembering correctly? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, um now, I mean that's kind of to me um and this is you know this is just my personal opinion. that isn't such a big deal mm-hmm. um because the the way that uh, free software projects tend to work is that you have a um a certain person maintaining a version control system you know with a certain name, and they can have a trademark over that um by using a unique name you get a kind of, you know, an, un- an unregistered trademark. So you can put the name of your font, TM, uh, you know, in the superscript, and that, that's giving you a trade, uh, a kind of natural trademark in that name. Um, and uh, the person who's in charge of that version can accept changes from other people um, using you know, th- that name for the work. And if people want to go off on their own and, and do something independently, then they're free to do that. Um, and the the usage of you know the the project's name tm you know notifies them that they ought to rename the project just to prevent confusion and that's a common courtesy for their users you know that you need to signal to people this is a modified version it's not done by that other guy this is you know this is now working independently of them and the linux kernel is a great example of that you know linus torvalds holds the trade registered trademark for the name linux and the kernel that you can download from kernel.org is the one which he's approved and then um there are other companies you know so red hat or google um who use the, the linux kernel in their systems and it's slightly modified um and it's still called linux um but they they you know they they in control of, uh, of that and he's in control of his. And everyone knows that Linux is by that guy. And so, um, with with the renaming thing, to me, it doesn't seem like such a big deal to have to require it. I think it's okay to just ask people. You know, hey, if you if you make a, if you make a modified version, can you call it something else?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it feels somewhat um, congruent with the history of. Uh, fonts and typefaces anyway, right? I'm going to, mm-hmm. some foundry comes out with a face and, and, and another foundry says, hey, that's, that's pretty nice. We, we're going to draw up our own version of that.
0: You know, different jurisdictions have different rules and laws for, um, for copyright. And in the USA, typeface designs themselves, the shapes of the letters are not subject to copyright, although you can get a 14-year uh, design patent if you register um, on the shapes of the letters. Um, and so, consequently, then, you know, there are a lot of foundries out there, um, especially in the USA, which share designs. So, I mean, the most famous example of this is Bitstream, you know, where they had, uh, you know, they they had copied many of the limotype designs um, and renamed them with generic names in a kind of numbering system. So instead of Helvetica, you had like Swiss 721 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm not really a big advocate of that because... I mean, even if it's legally, even if it's legally sound, and you're you're able to do it. You're within your rights to do it. Then copying other people's designs is, I think, you know, it's not really helping progress by doing that. Um, and it's it's not that hard to learn how to make a completely original typeface. <laughs> um, and it's and it's worth doing, I and mean, it's more fun that way. Um, and I think it's more authentic. You know, that when you're doing graphic design, you can certainly take inspiration wow. from other people, um, but you ought to be doing it all yourself you know, to be authentic and type design is just the
1: same Dave, fantastic thank you so much for uh, chatting with me today good luck with Kernest, Uh, I think that's a great site Um,
0: and uh, when the new version of the open font library comes out um, I hope maybe we can share some software features as well between the sites
1: yeah, I think it would be fun
0: wonderful, thank Thank you you very much have a good day, bye cheers, bye bye